0: Okay, question. Have you ever found out that you were wrong about something you believed? Ha, has it ever occurred to you, especially in Christianity, you were taught something but scripture contradicted contradicted it and though you may have been uncomfortable, you had to change your mind about it? Any anybody? Have you anybody here ever changed your mind? Well, hello. If you can't change your mind, you can't change anything. So, Scripture should overrule anything you've been taught that's wrong or anything that you're thinking that's wrong. You know, you don't want to get clarity on life from your hairdresser or your toenail pedicure person. I mean, God's Word outranks what my mama said or what my parents said or what my teacher said. And whether you go to multiple churches or anything, I want to give you a clear foundation. You measure it by God's Word nothing else. Measure it by, it's eternal, it's it's immutable, and it's uh, never going to pass away, Jesus said. So I think you're pretty safe to build a good life, a good marriage, good health, good financial basis if you'll just do what God said. If you did 70% of what God said, you'd be glowing in the dark. Yeah, you would. You would. So I'm going to take you on a little trip that our conception about God is often flawed by the people we're with, by who we allow to influence us and talk to us, and sometimes is wrong. So if you're an open and honest person, you'll let God have the last word, the final word, and it'll contradict the circumstances you're in. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 in just a second. God says, my plans for you, listen to this are good and not evil, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Now, God said that's his plan for me. I don't have to pray about that. That's exactly what my Father God says about me and about you. So I either believe it or I reject it. So let's take a look at that this week and next week. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Keep this book of the law, that's God's word, always on your lips. Now, that doesn't mean put the Bible in your mouth. It means put God's Word in your mouth and declare God's Word against any circumstance that comes against you. You decree what God said. Let this book of my law always be on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful." So it's a condition, right? This is not how you go to heaven. This is how you prosper in life. This Bible is the greatest book in the world on money management. And it leads to your well-being and prosperity. Now let me pause. Prosperity gets a bad rap because of some people who abuse it. I understand that. Okay, let's get the elephant out of the room. Prosperity doesn't mean everybody gets a Lamborghini, uh, uh, a... 1,200 houses, two jets. Some of it is nonsense, but you ought to have enough to meet the need of your life, your kids, your well-being, and the kingdom of God. You ought to do well. You may need a house with enough yard for your children to play in, and one that has extra bedroom for all the kids. That's a worthy prayer. That's not exorbitant. There's nothing wrong with that. And so, God's children have historically been prosperous and successful. Consider Abraham in Genesis 13, verse 2. It says, "Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver and gold. Poor old Abraham. How about Solomon? Scripture said he was the richest man in the world in his day. He had flip, fl- flips. He had fleets of ships. Don't make fun. do you get up and do it?) <laughs> He had fleets of ships manned by Phoenicians, and they brought him tons of gold, silver, ivory, spices, wild animals, all kinds of stuff. Archaeologists say Solomon had hinges on his horse stables covered in gold. I mean, that guy could send a care package to Warren Buffett. This is big. Listen to 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I believe that. I quote that every day over my life, over my family. That, why? It's an infallible internal word of God. I believe that, and I'm putting it on my lips. I don't care what you say. You let ABC, CNN, you let them dictate what you're going to do. I'm going to let God dictate what I'm going to do. I'm a child of the God, of the kingdom of God, and it outranks our government, or our culture, or our race, or our background. I'm I'm mad about this, okay? I believe it to my bottom of my soul. Jesus gave us 38 parables. 16 of them deal with the management of our resources. There are over 500 verses in the New Testament on prayer. There are less than 500 dealing with faith, but over 2,000 verses telling us how to manage and steward the possessions God gives to us so that we could live abundantly. So he's got my attention. How many of you believe that prosperity is a lot better than poverty? For God's sake, I do. Joshua one eight, then he says, The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, that's God's word, but meditate in it day and night so that you can observe to do all that's written in it. That means obey it, not just read it. For then after you obey it, you will make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. So a lot of this is dependent on me doing what God said. If you want what God promises, you have to do what God said. If you get a Betty Crocker cake, and you look at it from H-E-B, and it's a beautiful cake on the front, on the back it's got a recipe. And it says, if you want what's on the front, do what's on the back if you change the recipe, you ain't getting what's on the front. And a lot of people do the Bible like that. Well, let's leave that out. Let's Well, I know, but my mama says, let's leave that out. And you just rip the Bible apart, and you wonder why it doesn't work. These are formulas, principles that are eternal, and they'll work. They will work for anybody. That's what makes people mad. You know, a generous pagan will prosper over a disobedient Christian. It's a principle. It's simple. A guy that has a lot of friends has the principle of making friendship. He doesn't have to be a Christian. He he could worship Baal, but he's a friendly person, and he makes friends. He's charming. He has a lot of friends. Old Christians hang around like cold wallflowers. Nobody loves me. I don't have any friends. Oh, get out of your shell and make friends. He that hath many friends must show himself friendly. It burdens on you. See? Good success. That's God's will for your life. That's what I want you to take away. Good success is God's will for your life. He doesn't sponsor flops. But what you see are people, when you get them in counseling, they just violate every principle he says and wonder why things go bad. I wonder when I talk to some people why it isn't worse for the way they live and the choices they make. So let's consider some of God's promises for your prosperity first. You'll never prosper till you believe it's God's will for you to prosper. Yeah, I meet a lot of people who believe God can do great things, Rick, but only for other people, not me. See, faith is not just believing God can, it's believing God will, and he'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons, he says, but somebody's told you he is, so you just live like a mosquito when God wants you to grow some wings and fly. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 says, it is the Lord who gives you the ability, the power, the strategy to get wealth. Not Wall Street, not the government, not your rich relative, but all wealth comes from God Almighty. Psalms 1 verse 1 says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Let me pause there. Who's talking to you? Whose counsel are you listening to? Well, my mother said, well, mama might be wrong. Well, my daddy said, Well, my preacher said, you measure it by God's word. You don't walk in the counsel, the advice of ungodly people, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. If you hang around bitter people, you're going to get bitter. If you run around with people who doubt everything, you become a doubter. If you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. But the man who walks in the blessing of the Lord, he'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. He's got abundance. His leaf shall not wither, sustained prosperity. And whatever he does will ultimately prosper. Doesn't mean he won't have a bad day. It just means when it's all wrapped up, he's going to do okay. See, whether you're a farmer or a brain surgeon, you're going to prosper because it's God who is the one bringing it to you. The difference between a life of prosperity and a life of poverty is primarily a choice. After you grow up, it's a choice. And God gives you many opportunities, but I'm amazed few people will take it. Listen to Jesus, Luke 6, verse 38. This is not a evangelist. This is Jesus. It's in the red in your Bible. Give, and it shall be given to you. First, you give. Then God says, I'll give it back to you. Now, if God gives to you without you giving to him, he breaks his own law. So you're giving to him as a testimony of your submission to him as Lord of your life. See? And then he gives back to you. How, Rick? Pressed down, shaken together, good measure, running over. Let me pause. I like Raisin Nut brand cereal. But every time I get a box from H-E-B, it's half full. It's not full. That drives me crazy. Now, why? Because when they first put it in, it looks full, but it's got air in it. So in the shipment, it's getting shaken around and it's settling. So God says, I am going to bring it back to you, good measure, shaken down and running over. God says, you're not going to get half a box. I'm going to fill it. and It's going to run over that's how I'm going to bring it back to you. Your financial success tomorrow is dependent on your obedience today, and the day will come when all you have is what you give to God. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. See, every time God gives us an opportunity to give, He's giving me an opportunity to increase my harvest. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where thieves and IRS do not break through and steal. I threw in the IRS, okay. See, God wants you to invest in yourself because the day's going to come when all you have is what you've given to God. See, money's never about money. It's a trust issue. See, God controls all the wealth in the world, and your income is determined by your obedience to God. Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything in it and all who live in it. Satan does not own the earth. God does. He owns it and everything in it, including you. See? And so he says, I own it all. Giving is an obedience issue. Deuteronomy 28, what a great chapter. You ought to read the whole thing. First eight verses says, if you fully obey the Lord, your God, and follow what his commands dictate, I will give you today, the Lord, your God will set you on high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in Kerrville, blessed in New Bronzeville, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb, your children, will be blessed. The crops of your land and of your young and of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks will be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated, and they will rise up against you, but they will not win. See, they will come at you from one direction and flee from you seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns, on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is giving you. See, everything God does on earth comes from the principle of seed time and harvest. It's Genesis 8 verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest will never cease. As far as I know, the earth's still here. And he says seed time and harvest, never going to end. Now, most young people have never been on a farm, and they think fruit and vegetables grow on the shelves of H-E-B. But it comes from a farmer putting a seed in the ground. That seed germinates, brings a stalk of corn or wheat or whatever you've planted. And from the Garden of Eden until today, seed time and harvest will never cease. Everyone who eats should be interested in agriculture. Look at the spiritual realm of this principle how Jesus came to earth in seed form, seed time and harvest. In Genesis 3 15, the Protevangelium says, The seed of the woman, that's Jesus, and the woman Mary, shall crush the head of the serpent, that's Satan. So the Holy Spirit planted the seed in Mary's virgin womb, and the kingdom of God produced a warrior that destroyed the prince of darkness at the cross. Demons now tremble at the mention of his name. See, use that name. You want to be a name dropper? Use that name. We have salvation, healing, deliverance, love, joy, peace, forgiveness, and the power to walk in victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. I didn't earn it. I've been given that right because of seed time and harvest. Consider in the physical realm. How'd you get here? No, not the stork, Sparky. Seed time and harvest. And those two things, seed time and harvest, were separated by about nine months. There is a TV show, Unexpected. <laughs> Only young people that today could figure, I don't know how I got pregnant. Really? Really? We're in real trouble, I'm telling you. Unexpected. I just scratch my head and scream when that comes on. I'm like, Duh. I have no idea how this happened. Really. I have to take you to a farm and show you something. All right. Consider the financial reality of it. Luke 6:38. Jesus, give, that means plant the seed, and it shall be given to you. If something in you resents generosity, resents giving, I can promise you that did not come from God, who liberally gives you blessings every day. He forgives all your sin, He heals all your diseases, He makes you to prosper. God is generous to a fault. Giving is living proof that the cancer of greed hasn't consumed my soul. Everything in life and nature that God controls gives. The sun gives light and warmth, without which life on earth would cease. The clouds give rain, and without rain not one crop would grow and life would cease God gave his son. That son went to the cross and gave his life. That son called 12 disciples. Those disciples gave their lives that we might hear the gospel. Good news. God's given his best for you. And the question is, am I giving my best to him? Give and it shall be given to you. What's the it? Give and it shall be given. Simple. If you plant corn, you get corn. (laughs) Who would imagine? If you plant wheat, you get wheat. If you plant love, you get love. If you plant friendship, you get friendship. If you plant abundantly, you reap abundantly. Oh, but here's the end of the quiz. But if you don't plant, you can't reap. Nothing times nothing is nothing. Yeah. Scripture says the man that won't work should not eat. Socialism tries to contradict that truth. Here again, Watch politics. Watch government. Watch culture. It'll contradict Scripture. God says, a healthy man, not someone who's injured in war, someone handicapped, cannot work, of course. He provided for those poor. But in general, a person who's healthy, who won't work, does not deserve to eat. That's in the kingdom of God. And that's our Creator talking, not the government. That's God saying, get off your behind and go to work. Work is not a curse. Adam had a job before he had a wife and before the fall. Really? Yeah. Read your Bible. It might shock you sometime. (laughs) So if you plant finances, what do you get? Finances. If you plant anger, what do you get? Anger, road rage. If you plant violence, you reap violence. If you plant nickels, you get nickels. If you plant dollars, you get dollars. If you plant abundantly, you get abundance. Whatever a man sows that and only that shall he reap. So you must become seed conscious, not need conscious. Oh, Rick, I have such a great need. Well, then start sowing the seed in that area, even if it's a small seed. That's the way you're going to get that need met. That's the only way you're going to get ahead. God multiplies the seed. This is important. He talks about a 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold harvest. I wish Bank of America could capture that one. When God begins to multiply your seed, you can catch up. Listen, let me pause. There have been a lot of jobs lost. Tens of thousands of people in our city have out of work. Hotel workers, restaurant workers, some businesses closed, lost tons of revenue. Some went out of business. Some lost jobs, right? This COVID thing around the world. But if you're a believer in Jesus and obedient, God says, I can supernaturally make up that loss. Now, only God can multiply supernaturally what you have. I can't do it. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. So if you sow wild oats, you're going to get wild oats. You can't sow wild oats, run home, and pray for a crop failure. It's coming up. You sowed it. And God will let you eat every bit of it. But, Rick, I don't have any friends. Well, start sowing friendship into somebody's life. He that has many friends must show himself friend. Can you see the burdens on us? God's got no problem. You have a problem. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible teaches that givers gain. Give, it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And there's a 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold gain. I like God's interest. Matthew chapter 13, I'll paraphrase it because it's too long to read all of it. A sower went out to sow, and seed fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Are you aware that a hundredfold return is ten thousand percent? Anybody getting that on your savings? Yeah, or your 401k? I don't think so. See, God's multiplication is staggering. Don't ever say, I'm so far behind, I can never catch up. Really? That is absolute lie. In the economy of God, he specializes in helping you by multiplying the seeds you sow. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so there will be enough to joyfully give not grudgingly, to others. See, whenever you drop something in the ground and it comes up 100 times its value, suddenly you have buying power in spite of government devaluation. That's pretty amazing to me. A lot of you have lost business people, have lost income, lost jobs, lost a lot. Well, God promises that the thief shall restore sevenfold. And if I don't plant anything, I'm never going to catch up. But if I plant something, he can supernaturally multiply it. I I don't know if I've told you this in in a year or two, but I remember once, not when we were not here, I've been doing this since I was 18 years old. If it's a lie, I tell you, because if you know me, you know Rick Wood. But I'm telling you, a tax CPA that happens to be in this audience came in into my office and said, I need to talk to you because I was doing estimated taxes years ago. And he says, well, you owe a lot of money. And I thought, well, that's why he made an office visit. So anytime your accountant comes to see you, it's like a doctor coming to see you. It's not a good thing, really. I mean, especially wearing a black suit. It's like, this is not good. And he gave me the bad news. And I thought, how is that possible? I've been paying this, and we, we learned some things. This was years ago, and I thought, that's a lot of money, and I didn't have it, didn't earn it, didn't make enough, no way to pay it, thousands of dollars, and as soon as he left, and I said thank you. That was grudgingly thank you. He left to get in his car. The phone rang. Judy Orr answered the phone, pitched it to my desk, and it was a, it was somebody in another state, And that church had sold some property they had, a building, and made a fortune, a killing on it. And they decided to tithe it to three people that had made the most difference in their church. And one third went to me. And it, wait a minute, it was huge. And I I was very calm, very appreciative but I hung up that phone, and I danced. Yes. Yay, God. And I took my, back then, flip phone. Took my flip phone, and I called that CPA, who happens to be sitting in this auditorium, and I said, na 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 nah. I got it paid. And that has never happened to me again, but I've never been in that ditch before again. And that was a way God multiplied a catch up, which I could never have done on my own. Just bang. But that was just one simple idea. And he's done that scores of hours. it wasn't dependent on a raise. It wasn't dependent on a government subsidy check. It wasn't dependent on a rich relative bailing me out. It was just God. And the sowing that had been going on was coming back. Comes back when you need it. But it doesn't always come back the day you need it. I had no idea I was going to need. I've never had a return come that fast. Bad news, phone call, boom, good news. I've never had it happen that fast, but it has happened. Now, notice three things in this verse. God is able to make it up to you. He can give you back what the enemy has taken exactly seven times is what he promises. Proverbs 6, book of wisdom, verse 31 the thief shall restore sevenfold. You business owners, you folks that have been out of work due to COVID or you've lost income or jobs, you start shouting that at the enemy. Let it be on your lips. Thief, you will restore sevenfold. I don't know how, when, I don't know how it's going to work, but that is the Word of God. It's coming back to me. Now, the enemy knows what you don't know, and he knows if you don't know, and he's called a thief. So, he steals from you, and you're a good loser don't be a good loser. You fight the good fight of faith. You hold on to that Word of God that says you you took it, you're going to pay it back, and it's going to cost you big time, seven times. See, what you lost in a bankruptcy, God can bring it back. What you lost in a bitter divorce, God can bring that back. What you lost in a business failure, because economic conditions turned against you, God can bring it back to you. See, what you lost when you were unemployed, God can bring it back to you. So the only hope, if you're a believer, of catching up is planting your seed in the kingdom of God because God multiplies it and brings it back to you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. Hey, tell your neighbor, good things are getting ready to happen to moi. Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, you must plant your seed before you can expect an increase. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. You plant before you reap. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2 says there is a time to plant and a time to pluck up or harvest. See, without seed time, it's impossible to have a harvest. If you give nothing, you get nothing. God can increase what you give a hundredfold, sixty-fold, or thirtyfold, but again, Nothing times nothing is still nothing. I can't say that enough. Jesus speaking in John chapter 12, verse 24. Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground, it abides alone and does no good. See, when what you have in your hand is not enough to meet your need, I've always turned that into seed. Well, it's not enough to take care of this need, so I'm gonna send this sucker out of my hand out into my future, awaiting my arrival, where it's multiplying. I just turned it into seed. Been doing that for years and years. And there's plenty of times what I have is not enough. Somebody, uh, occasionally, out of their own heart and generosity, will put something in my hand. Once I, somebody put a $100 bill in there, I thought, that's good. But it wasn't enough to meet my need, so I just roamed around the lobby. Now, don't follow me in a lobby, because I, I don't have one today. And I just looked for somebody I thought it would bless to slip it in their hand. Didn't say anything about it. I turned it into seed. Let it go out there and work for me. I had not my need met yet, so I'm just going to plant some more seed. See? You, you learned this because it's a principle. So plant it, let it become multiplied, and you'll soon have enough to meet your need. And some left over for you. That's great. You can do two things with seed. You can eat it. You can plant it. Some people say, well, I have nothing to give. That's completely wrong. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. God, who gives seed to sowers. Who does he give seed to? Sowers, not hoarders, sowers. I don't have any seed. Then you need to give. He provides seed to sowers. He says, then we'll give you more and more seed to plant and we'll make it grow so you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. That's God's guarantee, not the government's, God's, and God never fails. Some say, I just don't understand how God's economic system works. Well, number one, you don't have to understand God to enjoy God. I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass, gives white milk, and yellow butter. But I I still drink the milk and eat the butter. Listen Listen to what God thinks about your thinking and mine, Isaiah 55. Verse 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. It's God's way of saying, my intelligence makes you look like a three-year-old kid playing in a sandbox. God says, I can prosper you in so many ways, you'll never figure it out. All I'm looking for from you is a sign of obedience that you recognize me as your God, as your provider. Then I'll move heaven and earth to see that you have my divine abundance that's promised. Third, the third principle is tithing. The tithe is not a debt I owe, it's a seed I sow. God doesn't consider the tithe ever to be yours. He says, it's mine. Leviticus 27, verse 30, very familiar. All the tithe of the land, whether it's seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is mine, says the Lord. And then in verse 10, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, in our culture, that's your local church. God says, all the tithes. Don't tip me. Churches are full of tippers, not tithers. Statistics say 3% of believers tithe. The majority do not. And yet, everybody's concerned about money. If you send your tithe to some TV preacher or, or to some other group, and then you call them. You call them for counseling, funerals, prayer, wedding, or support. So you don't eat at McDonald's and pay at Burger King. That's a shock to some people, huh? Why tithe? Because God commands it. Jesus endorsed it. People always want prayer for their finances, but they don't want to tithe. You don't pray about a clear command ever. You simply obey it. In verse 9, he says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Hey, you're better off to rob Bank of America than to rob God. He said, you're cursed with a curse. You've robbed me. And then remember, he said, it's the Lord who gives you power to obtain wealth when you obey him. In fact, God says, in this area only, test me. Prove me. Put me to the test, says the Lord, if I won't open the windows of heaven and bless you with more than you can contain. He actually invites you. Go ahead. Make my day. See, you don't pray to receive more money. There's a principle. You give. Oh. Oh. That's why your prayers hadn't been answered. Look, if I go to the gym and I want bigger biceps, I don't spend my time doing leg lunges. That's good for the glute and gluteus maximus and the quads, but it ain't doing nothing for my arms. Would you agree? It and nowhere does it say pray for money. It says give. Give. I don't care if you're a businessman or if you're, you're on a welfare check. You give. God's promise to make it up to you. God can turn the heart of a king any way he wants to help you. Don't be worried about kids and education and school. If that's their future, God will provide for them. You do what you're supposed to. If you're not faithful in a little, Jesus said, you won't be faithful if you win the lottery. Why would God give you more if you can't handle good stewardship, what you got? Why? Why tithe? Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake I like that see when you have God as your defender you're in good hands he puts Satan on a leash to restrain him because you are God's property based on your living and giving I am begotten of God the wicked one touches me not now he will attack you but he can't win God said so I'll rebuke him from Genesis to Revelation God's trying to get heaven on earth thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in when we all get to heaven. How about earth? Everybody wants to fly away. Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. But if I don't obey God, I'm not going to get heaven in my marriage. I'm going to get hell. I'm not going to prosper. I'm, gonna, I'm always going to have money and, it's, and then I'm gonna, it's going to just flee away from me. Why? The enemy is stealing. Why? Because I'm cursed. So I want to be blessed. I want to hedge your protection around me, around my family, around my kids. I want to hedge your protection against COVID. I want to hedge your protection against whatever's going on in the government. I'm not a victim. I get to play a part in this thing. I'm a soldier of the kingdom of God in the army of God. And he made some promises to back me up. I'll be your rear guard, your buckler, your shield, the lifter of your head. Get mad. Don't be a good loser. Don't let the enemy steal your joy, your marriage, your kids, your money, your health. But you've got to do something, stand firm in God's word, and you won't be shaken. Now, some of you were taught it's sinful to enjoy material blessing. What not? You mean all the patriarchs could, but we cannot? That is somehow evil? It's a reward of obedience if you're a child of God. It's not against God's will for you to have a decent car. It's not against God's will for you to have a decent home. Maybe you live in a mobile home right now and you need more room because you got more babies. It's a right thing for God to provide you a small house with a yard and enough for the, for the kids. God loves to provide you with blessing. But it starts off with the, with the law. If you're unfaithful with a little, you'll be unfaithful with a lot. So simply obey God. God wants to bless you. You know, I had a businessman years ago, how many years ago? It was 08, that long ago, called me, asked me to come to his office, and he's, he's not a member of the church, he's visited, and he said, I want I to do something for you. I want to give you something. And I thought, okay. So he slid the keys to a car down to me on this big oak table in this big office and said, it's already paid for. All you got to do is go down to the dealer and sign the title. And I said, no, I can't receive that. I'm sorry. I've got to stay poor. I'm, I can't have that. It'll be an offense to God for me to drive that sports car. Are you kidding me? I, I did say this. I said, now, there's one condition. I, I'm, I'm going to tell the church or I won't take it. So they won't think I got church money, stole money, all the stuff that goes on illegally. I'm aware of it. I said, I'm going to tell the church. Not name, but who gave it to me, when, so nobody will go by with a key and scratch it or say something ugly. <laughs> what a shame I have to do that. But I did. I did do it because I wanted people to know. I was blessed. I'd given away two cars. You think I sh- couldn't get one? One of the young adults there said, man, I wish I had a car like that. And I says, well, wait till you're 70 years old and you've given away two. <laughs> Anybody with me out there? Right? Yeah. Seed time and harvest, Jack. Right? So that's hogwash. There's no biblical truth to that at all. God does not want you poor. I pray that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That was a doctrine of propini that came out of the Middle Ages, and it's contrary to everything Scripture teaches. Why would God give material blessing to all of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Solomon, and to Jesus Christ? If money's evil, why did not Satan double your income? Revelation 5, verse 12, worthy is the lamb, Jesus, who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, glory, and blessing. And if you're a joint heir with Jesus, you're a benefactor of all those blessings right now. I'm in the family of God. I'm a joint heir, and I'm not apologizing for it. And it's not what I believe that brings the blessing. It's what I obey. I've been a tither since 18 years of age. And if it didn't work, I can promise you I would have bailed a long time ago. I believe what God says, and he's proven it to me over and over. God loves you. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well in your marriage, with your children, in your health, in your career calling. It's a trust issue. It's not a money issue. Who do you trust? For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.